and thanks for tuning in to Stable Connections, the podcast. Today's episode is with Dustin Smart, a local Sonoma County farrier and musician, and he chats with us about how he juggles the two. Hope you enjoy. Also, quick reminder, if you want to continue supporting Stable Connections, the podcast, please jump on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Facebook and leave a review. That's the best way to support us. Enjoy. I was born in St. Helena. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not from too far away. I grew up right down the road in Sonoma. Never left? Uh, no. Just for short stints. You yeah. Know? I was playing music years ago and got to go to England. Played a lot of music over there. Toured with uh, Pete Best, who cool. was a drummer for the Beatles. And did that whole Liverpool scene for a minute. Yeah. Always knew uh, you'd come back, though? Always come back, yeah. yeah. Always come back. Always had the horses in my life. Yeah. So when when was your first memory with a horse? My first memory. So my aunt was a, like a rodeo girl up in Lake County. So as a little guy, my very first memories were probably with her horse. Just kind of like um, popping on? Geez. Yeah. 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 Just throwing me on the horse. And then there was a, a period of life where I probably didn't mess with horses at all until I was a teenager. Doing different things. What brought you back to them? I just, I met a horse in Sonoma and it just, we clicked. I started like instantly, just got into it. Started hanging out with the farrier back in the day. Started uh, blacksmithing, it just, it just clicked. Yeah. Just that one horse, we just, we had a thing. And with the blacksmithing, so you were hanging out with the farrier and then just like wanted to try it? I did want to try. I just went. Going. I went all the way. Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. Right, right from the get go. So uh, trimming the feet, just just feel of it. I remember just playing with the first feet. Just something about it in my hand, the smell, everything. And then yeah, blacksmithing. I just, I jumped into the horseshoeing school and. Which horseshoeing school did you go uh, to? Pacific Coast in Sacramento. Okay. So I did that probably back in 1999. And before I did that, actually, I was riding with Bob Fulton, who just retired couple other guys in the area, Brian Hammond back in the day. And did you like the school? Did you feel like you got a lot out of I it? I did. The school was tough for me because I like I was pretty green with horses because I spent a lot of time away. So, you know, yeah. being in there with all the cowboys and I was a rock and roller and I didn't have much experience at it other than the, the couple drive-bys I did. But um, I think I excelled because I, I was very committed. And did you know at that time with doing the school that it was going to be your career or you were just like trying oh, yeah. stuff on? No. You knew. Yeah. So do you remember, so once you finished the school, the school's what, eight weeks or something? Yeah, it was like two months. So straight out of school, I went and jumped in the truck with Pat Morris. Okay. It was a farrier in Santa Rosa. And he introduced me to a whole new world of farriery like Brian Graham. You know, I just was blown away by that guy and, um, you know, all those guys back in the day. We had Phil Tressenrider, he was doing a bunch of horses in Santa Rosa, Rich Bumpus was rolling strong, great time. Bob Marshall, the clinician, was coming to town a lot, so straight from the get-go I got to go to some of those clinics, the AFA was strong, so I got to go to a lot of uh, cool clinics and competitions, that was good. Yeah, definitely opened me up. Yeah, and you did a lot of competing yourself? A little bit. I wouldn't say a lot, but I, I jumped in, yeah. How were those competitions? They were fine. I just, I think back then I was more into the books. So I was a little stronger at the, uh, the anatomy and uh, the book work, you know. Yeah. 
the thing with, with Farrier is you've got to learn to use your left and right brain, like, and it just took a while for me to put it all together. Yeah. I, I think eventually I did. Yeah. <laughs> still continuing. <laughs> yeah, still, still working at it. When was it that you started picking up your own clients? So I rode with Pat for maybe two years. So after two years, I started picking up my own clients. And did that, was that just like, it kind of just happened or did you consciously say, no, like, I, I feel ready? No, I it happened. It was a hard time. So I rode with Pat like during the dot-com era. It very much reminds me of now. I actually like there were so many horses, so much money flowing. Then there was a big crash, and that's kind of when I started to go out on my own. So it was a very slow build. It took mm -hmm. me a long time. And I, you know, I, I didn't have it. I thought I did. I thought, you know, I could do this, and horses weren't right. They weren't moving right. Looking back, I see it more now than ever. So it was a struggle. So I really didn't start building until I met R.T. Goodrich. Mm, okay. And I got to hang out with him, rode with him. We became friends, played music together, shot horses together. And RT's definitely like one of those generous guys. But no, he you know, would send me work and be very helpful. And I think for me, that's kind of when I was ready to move on. Yeah. Start taking on more work and it just started clicking. Yeah, and a lot of them back then were show horses, backyard horses. Oh, all backyard, rank, you know. I had uh, lip chains, nerve lines, you know, I did all that stuff, you know. Yeah. Dodging kicks. Yeah, I, I got into there though. Yeah. What are some experiences from the early days that you can remember that were super hard or frustrating or... Oh, they were all fun. I don't know, I enjoyed it all, but one of the ones I remember the most was working out in uh, Stinson. Thunder and lightning storm rolled in. Still got to work. That's a long drive. I'm like, I am not leaving until I finish this horse. So yeah, yeah we, we finished that horse, lightning crashing down around and... <laughs> Did you have a cover or no? No. Oh god, yeah. so you're just, just moved, It moved out of nowhere. It was, it was like, it was insane. Yeah. So I remember that. How many years do you feel like it took before everything felt pretty steady? Oh, probably just about now, so. Just about now? <laughs> <laughs> How long has it been? I don't know, 98-ish, so 20-something years. Damn. No, I mean, I feel that way every year, so I'm sure next year. This, this career is been awesome. It's just always learning. You know, there's always something new. Yeah. What's important, I think, is to step away from yourself and look. You know, I try to picture from up above, from the sky, and look down on myself and be like, hey, "How are you really doing?" And then try to go hang out with some other, you know, farriers. That's what's great about the competition. You know, say what people will about it all. It just puts you in a room full of other people that are going to challenge you. They're going to see new ideas and. If you're humble enough, you can realize maybe you're not doing it right. Yeah, or you can learn or you something can do good it or bad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say not doing it right. It's always right. It's just different levels. You know, you start working up to more expensive horses, but you know, higher performing horses, and what you were doing on some of the backyard horses probably isn't going to work there. Anyways. And what do you think it is about you that people would hire you? At least in um, the beginning. Well, definitely uh, integral. I mean, I can't help it. I try. I try not to be integral. I mean, you know, I just sometimes I just want to just hang out and I don't want to go to work. But if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So yeah. people know that they can count on me. So I think that's a big deal. And I enjoy it and I get along with the horses. And I think that makes people feel comfortable rather than somebody there yeah. screaming and yelling. So. For sure. Yeah. So when did you do the music stuff? When did you kind of take a break and do that? I've always done that. 
Okay. Yeah, horses and music have just been me. Yeah, so music since I was a little kid. And then you said you traveled a little bit. And traveled, yeah, like in my late teens, early 20s. Yeah, and that was part of what drew me to the horseshoeing too, is that, you know, a full-time job is really hard to like say, hey, I'm going to go to England for a month, I'll be back. Yeah. And not that it's easy with a horseshoeing job, but, you know. It's more doable if you work doable. for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can schedule around it. Yeah. And tell me more about that. So what do you play? What so, kind of music? Guitar, that's my main instrument. Back then, rock, metal. You know, it was, yeah, we had fun. Today, it's a little more folky. Rock and roll, Americana, country. Is it, do you feel like you are half and half, like half farrier, half music, or it's a little more music, a little more farrier? That's a good question, yeah. It's, that's been a struggle in my life, for sure. That, you know, this when the competitions are going and I want to get out there, it seems like the band stuff picks up all at the same time, and I'm like, you know, you can only practice so much. At this point in my life, it's definitely, I'm more farrier, like, you know, it is. Yeah. I play, but I don't. I, you know, I used to sit and practice scales for two hours a day. You know, I had a whole routine. So now I'm practicing more in the shop. It's switched. And did you ever do handmaids? Yeah. Do you currently? I do. Yeah. I not not full time, but I have a handful of horses. They just are better in them. Yeah. You know, I, there's no doubt about it. And you know, I don't buy like bar shoes or uh, you know onion heeled shoes, any of that stuff. I just make them easier for me and what do, is it just like a horse that's not going well that you're like oh I'm gonna try to hand make something for it like, yeah sometimes yeah sometimes you can just sweeten a branch and it, it just kind of helps take the line you can do it with a cake shoe just for me like with some feet it's just easier just to like start from nothing and kind of just put it together technically a piece of steel is a piece of steel you can do whatever you want with it do you have specific clients that want you to make handmaids for them? Like they call you and say that no. Never? No. <laughs> Would you want people to call and ask for that or no? No. Does it cost more? <laughs> uh, probably. Probably, yeah. I mean, you, you probably know, should. You're putting more work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're dealing with a journeyman level farrier at that point. And so, yeah, it, that costs more. But I don't charge more for a handmade shoe. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's funny. My friend Sam Durham told me a story once that he was shoeing a horse in handmaids, and he's doing all this work and making these shoes for this horse. And then he finishes, charges the lady's fee, and she hands him a little extra money and says, "This is so you can buy shoes next time." <laughs> <laughs> so oh she, God. yeah, she thought he just had the shoes on the truck. So I don't think people care. Yeah, or just they don't know. <laughs> well, you know, and how much difference does it make? I don't know. Is it in my head? I, I don't know. I, yeah. think, I think it's a better fit, but yeah, I could be biased. But it also just sounds like it's fun for you to do that kind it's of stuff. It's so fun, yeah. It just makes my day when I get to do that. Most days, I admit, you know, I'm so backed up all the time with horses. It's hard to just relax and have that kind of fun. Yeah. So a lot of times I have to come home after work and... We'll uh, build the shoes I need for the week. Okay, so you most of the time do it here and then mm -hmm. fit them once yeah. you're out? Yep. Is that how other people Everyone's do it? Different, Everyone's you know? different. Like, um, yeah. I've got some friends that do it at the horse. It just depends. If you're doing three or four a day, you can take a couple hours to shoot the horse. Yeah, if you're doing 15, but that's I find much. most horses don't like to take two hours, so it's. I'd rather get them done like 45 minutes to an hour rather than 
keep them standing around all day. Yeah. That's just been my experience. It's, it's a happier experience. For sure. That makes sense. With your farrier career, if there was something that you... Hmm. How do I phrase this? Like something that you would like your clientele to know or like understand about what you do that it feels like not a lot of people understand, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to say a lot of people think we're just nailing shoes on the foot. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to, you know, I'm terrible. I don't sit and explain everything. I don't have all day. We're getting the shoes on, but there's more to it. You know, the trend is very different. You know, I've I've had a lot of guys in the truck. And no matter what we talk about, everyone's hands just do things a little differently. It's a hard thing to teach, I think. There's different techniques, different thoughts, different theories. But basically, at the end of the day, we are uh, trying to align the bone and keep the, all the soft tissue in the right place. And, you know, we don't want the horses to over-exaggerate and tear a tendon or strain a ligament or anything. So, yeah, there's a lot more to it than we're nailing shoes on. But sometimes people are like, you just came out and nailed those shoes on really fast and charged me a bunch of money. And I'm like, no, actually, there's more, more to it. Yeah. I'm trying to keep the vet away. Yeah. Trying to keep the vet away. It's true. Have you worked with a lot of vets over the years? And what's that experience like? Good. Most most of the vets these days are pretty good and want to work with farriers. So they seem to respect the trade. I think when I was coming in, it still wasn't a real respected trade. You know, we're just a bunch of cowboys out there. (laughs) Wee-haw! shoes on and just having a good old time. So the vets were very um, standoffish. Yeah, we didn't communicate and you know a lot of head and they come in and tell you how to do your job and you know nobody likes that nope so and in terms of like running your own business and doing your books and contacting clientele and all of that how has that process been like for you a lot of work it's a lot of work but it came easy to you to like schedule and do all of that yeah yeah i just i have a routine you know every day i have my my time where i sit down and deal with my messages and schedule. I've got a busy life. I've got family and the bands at night and I don't have time for uh, discombobulation, you know, so I try to be a very structured, you know, I work. I start at eight in the morning, you know, work till I'm done, come home, schedule, do yeah. my books every day, you know, deposit checks and just try to stay on top of things. Otherwise it gets away from you and then it's a, then it's a nightmare. And what has it been like finding help, helpers over the years? I've never had to find out. Okay, they find you? Never once. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think they choose you? Uh, probably because I'll take help. Some guys don't want help. I don't know why. But I assume it's because I'll take help. And, yeah. You know, and I'll pay for it too. Yeah. And a lot of my earlier times were unpaid. And that used to be a kind of a tradition. To not get paid for yeah, it? Yeah, apprenticeships. You're getting, You're getting a hand in a career, man. I mean, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. So... And the opportunity that you got working under all the guys you named earlier that you did, do you feel like it makes a huge difference career-wise when finding the right people to work under? Because in the beginning, you don't know people's reputation or anything. Huge. Yeah. Yeah, finding the right people is is amazing because, yeah, it, you know, it can be a real struggle if you're working with the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And you don't know it. You don't know it all <laughs> in the know, beginning. No, you have no idea. Yeah, you think you're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> How did you officially meet RT and the different guys? Uh, I think I met RT at a clinic. 
Okay. Well, actually, no. The first time I met RT, he just moved here from Washington, and he was working for Brian Graham. That's cool. the first time I met him, and I was in my apprenticeship with Pat back then, so this was going back away. It's 20 years or so. And you feel like it has evolved in a positive way, the whole farrier world in oh, general? Yeah. Yeah, in yeah. the past 10 years maybe even, it's yeah. changed a lot. The professionalism, totally different attitude around it. I see a lot of newer farriers just taking things a little more seriously. And some not, I mean, you see both, but it's definitely a profession now. Do you feel like going to a school is necessary? I guess it all depends on who you're running with. I do, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, whatever the school is, it, it's a good... Especially if you're coming into it with nothing, no experience. Yeah. Because for me, I had two months where I had nothing else to do but focus on horse showing. It was a great time in my life. When does that happen? Seriously, you're there two months. A lot of times there's dorms, so you're living there, you know, living and breathing it, reading the books. Back then they had uh, VHS tapes, you know, so I watched <laughs> one of those every night. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then and then the shop at night, you know, you can forge all night long. It's that fun. and just being around like-minded people that totally. are wanting to do the same thing as you. Yep, and having instructors that can answer questions and, um, you know, and for horses to practice on, you know, who, who wants you to practice on their horse? Nope. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, you got that too. So, yeah, I think, I think it's a great idea. And I think that AFA certification is a great idea too. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of talks and some people don't believe in it. And I do, and I do see why some people don't believe in it. I don't think it should be law, but we need we need some standards, you know? You just you want to hire somebody that's just, they've taken the written test, they've shot a horse in front of judges, and they've made some shoes, you know? It's just basics. Yeah, well, it just shows commitment. Uh, it shows that they're actually committed. Right. Yeah. yeah, and that's what it takes. Yeah. And, you know, if you're committed, it's, it's an easy job. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Uh -huh. So let's see. Let's talk, if you want to, about your family life. So when did that all come into play? Whew. Well, part of my family life. I'm guessing you're married. Oh, my family current, yes. Or, I mean, you can go no, to your parents' life. <laughs> I don't want to get back too far. No, whatever you want to talk about. But yeah, yeah like your kids and your wife no, and that sort of thing. I'm married. I have two kids now. Two girls. Yeah. Ten and seven. I guess uh, me and Leslie met about 12 years ago. How did you guys meet? We met at a gig. Oh, cool. Yeah, I call her groupie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would she call herself a groupie? No. No. She was, uh, she was had some roommates back then, just getting out of SSU. And one of her roommates was dating the other guitar player in the band, so she came to a show. and. Mm. So she didn't necessarily come to see you guys. She came just to come with her friend. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's great. about all that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's been great. You know, we started hanging out and had a couple kiddos. And is she a horse person? No. Not at all? Mm-mm. Have you ever brought her around the horses? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. right away, yeah. She, okay. she rode my horse back in the day when I still had horses. Yeah. And um, she loves them. She just didn't grow up with them. Okay. Are there any other, like major pivotal moments that you can think of in life that have made you who you are? I mean, there's, there were some hard times that definitely turned me around, you know, a lot of, I was into drugs and all sorts of dark world kind of stuff for a minute there, you know, some, some, some dark times, but I think it gave me a good perspective. Yeah, I actually say that's 
probably some of the best times of my life. Not only was I having fun, for me it made me want to go a different route. I, I see some of my friends that stayed in that course and it's not a good thing. I got a little deep, you know, I ended up with some overdoses and in the hospital and yeah, weird times. Yeah. It's kind of hard for me to talk about because it's like such a different person. I'm like, oh, really? Was that, was I doing that? But Yeah, but those are the moments you I learn did. the most. <laughs> yeah. Well, and even with an overdose, the fact that for some reason the universe wanted you to stay here, yeah. like you're still here. Yeah, maybe through. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, scary. Do you do anything for fun? Well, I like to make bar shoes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you do anything for fun that's not farrier or music related? I ride my motorcycle. Yeah, if I do get like some quiet time, it's on the bike. And yeah. that's some great, great time. That's where I get to just zone out, turn the phone off. I shouldn't say zone out, zone in. <laughs> zone in to just the road. Yeah. Yeah, just the road. It's like meditation. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Have you done anything in terms of like Cairo acupuncture, that sort of thing, to help with? A little bit, yeah. I've done some. I've done. I've done it all. Yeah, just to kind of keep your body okay with the farrier stuff. Yeah, I think the best thing for the body has been like stretching, walking. Actually, you know, just taking walks around around the ranch and just kind of keep the spine moving after it gets all jacked up all day. I've tried chiropractic. Sometimes it seems like it helps. We're, we're just so under physical pressure. Just gotta keep going. Yeah, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. Do you want to talk about your current helper and how helpful he's been? It's been really helpful. I mean, I can't say he hasn't been. No, it's been great because I can send him out to do trams. We definitely can get a lot of work done together, so. And does he usually, when he's helping you on a day, mostly just like start and finish horses for you and then you're kind of doing the in-between? Yeah, so the way it usually works is, yep, he'll pull the shears, sometimes pair them out, sometimes trim them, just depends on the relationship we have with the owners. And then, um, yeah, if not, I'll get in there, trim the feet, fit the shoes, nail them up, and then he'll finish. And then, of course, do any trims that are on the sides. And you talked to me a little bit last time you were out doing my horse, but I'm curious if you want to talk about the different, I guess there's not probably much to talk about, but the different types of clenching, because this is something that uh, I sure. noticed. Yeah. Just because I've seen a lot of different farriers clench differently, if you want to talk about there's that. There's a, well, there's, yeah, there's a different styles for sure, different ways of clenching. Some guys do it all with a hammer and we'll gouge under the nails and uh, clench them that way. Sometimes you can just put a file under the nail and do it that way. I mean, there are different ways. What's the difference? Well, if you gouge, your clinch is going to be in the wall, so you got a nice thick clinch in there. Whereas if you don't gouge, you're going to have to file that clinch down a little bit. Does it keep shoes on better? Probably not. I don't know. Well, that I've never noticed the difference in like shoes staying on. It's more of a, a superficial thing, in, in my opinion. But yeah, like a preference thing. Yeah, but I, I mean, I prefer a gouged foot, and I like I like a good solid clinch. Yeah. That makes but sense. that's just the way I was trained to do it, and, and there's just different ways. So. Yeah, I had just never thought of that before. I always, you know, saw the, the farrier that I had clench a certain way, and then mm -hmm. I saw, I think, one of the first or second times you doing my horse, and I was like, huh, why do you do it that way? Like, the yeah, curiosity. Just the way I do it? Yeah. Some of it, too, is just figuring out what works for you over the years. Yeah. And how, you know, like, this works, the shoes stay on, you know, everything's, everyone's happy. Yeah, so. and probably wall integrity. 
as well, like how the horse's well, hoof is? Yeah, I guess you can say if you're just pushing them in there, you might be crushing the tubules a little bit. But wall integrity comes more from how you nail the foot. So yeah. that's going to come more from how you shape and fit the wall because you want to nail into the white line. If you nail into the wall, you're going to start splitting the wall. And mm. you're, you're going to have issues with wall integrity then. Okay. But if you nail into the white line and shoot that nail out through the wall, you're, you're good. Yeah. yeah. Is there any like advice that you want to give to new or up and coming farriers that are starting out? Yeah, I would say take take the time. We'll definitely work with certified farriers, like you know, guys that have definitely been in the game. Don't be in a hurry. You know, to start their own thing. Yeah, I see yeah. a lot of people they're in a hurry. They're just they're in it, they want a book, they want to make money. That's all good, but that all comes. Just go be the turtle. Just go slow, learn the things, and spend time reading books. Because I think you're gonna make most of your money in, in your knowledge more, you know, than your fit and finish. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. At the end of the day, how's the horse moving? Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, educate. And get involved with AFA or some kind of educational group. Doesn't have to be the AFA, but they're the strongest one. So Do you have someone that if you come across an issue currently with a horse that you can call like mentor still? Yeah, I'll still call RT or cool. Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's go into the question. So what is something within the horse world that you'd like to see evolve or change over time? And then how can you help with that change if you're not already? Well, it's happening. Like, so I, I'm happy to see that there's the education's going around. People are taking that serious. Um, evolve. I'd actually like to see some things de-evolve, mm. like go back to basics. Like there's so much on the market, you know, all these I'm guilty of it, you know, plastic shoes, and you know, there's a place for all that, but it, some of it I think is a little overused, in my opinion. So yeah, I'd like to see things kind of de-evolve. Yeah, <laughs> like what, what was the you know what, what was the great farriers of the 1800s doing, for example? Because back then you had to keep horses sound. Yeah. You know, nowadays your horse is off. It's like, well, what, whatever. We'll call the vet tomorrow. <laughs> it's different. They yeah. didn't have to pull the milk wagon across town. It, so the horse hasn't changed that much, but the, the technology seems to keep changing and we're just like throwing so much at it. So, which is great. We learn a lot from it. Don't get me wrong. I just would like to see some basics. Yeah. Good answer. Well, I'm letting people that I chat with ask me one question. So is there something that you, I mean, you don't know much about me, but is there something, a question that comes to mind? Well, what's your experience with Ferry? Oh. Uh, how's it been for you as a client, a horse owner? Well, since getting my horse like four years ago, my ex-boyfriend was my farrier. Okay. So that is a little bit different. And I kind of, it was cool because I got to see kind of how I was there while he was building his business and all of that, which was interesting to see the backside of things. And I'm fortunate where, you know, he was shoeing my horse for three and a half years and I got x-rays and he got an A minus. Nice. So at least as a boyfriend, he was a good farrier in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. He was doing a good job. But I guess I kind of have a unique experience because I lived with my farrier and was dating my farrier. So now my current farrier, who is you, <laughs> is very reliable. You schedule on time. I know a lot of farrier reputations in the area and just have chatted with them on this podcast and sure. different things. And 
a common thread, not with people I've talked to, but a common thread for clients with their farriers is that they don't always get back right away and they don't always, they're not always reliable or blah, blah, blah. And, you know, because of having my ex-boyfriend as my farrier as well and seeing like, you guys aren't always available. You have lives, you have things that you're doing. And I think it's hard because when people contact farriers, it's, oh God, my horse lost a shoe, can you come right now? Exactly. And who can just drop anything and just do that? Like that's not, you guys try as much as you can, but like you're working, you guys pretty much are all workaholics. Yeah. And so that, I feel like I kind of got an inside scoop of that because I witnessed him kind of be less reliable on his phone because of people constantly like, I lost a shoe. Oh God, my farrier's not contacting me. Can you come? And so... Get overloaded. Yeah. And I think it can happen really easily. And I think clients can forget that you guys are people. And so sometimes you can come out and you can accidentally hotmail or whatever. You're a human, like you make a mistake. And so I think a lot of my experience is unique, but I've also heard a lot of other people's experiences. And I think that's kind of the broad answer of what other people's expectations are and then what I've kind of witnessed. So, but I think a big thing for me is I want to, I want to respect my farrier and I want my farrier to also be educated and also know what they're doing and I think it's very, I should be very common for people to just get x-rays once every few years or once a year, sure. or whatever, just because if you don't know much, I don't know that much about my horse's feet, right? Yeah. Like if they look okay, cool. But getting x-rays, then I'm like, okay, here, Dustin, this is how my horse's foot looks because you guys probably want to see that stuff too. Yeah, it's good <laughs> to see what's going on in there now and again. Yeah, sure. and to check your work, right? Yeah. It's, I wouldn't get x-rays to like make sure my farrier's doing well. It's more to be like, <laughs> hey, this is how you're doing. Like yeah. maybe we can change this angle or, you know, whatever. Okay. So I don't, I, if I, like I'm doing that now every like two years or so just yeah. to like double check. I would do it once a year, but financially that feels no, like a lot. Enough. I mean, honestly, I think the biggest thing there is just to keep an eye on the, any kind of bony lesions or yeah. arthritis popping up. Yeah. That's but yeah, great. my experience. <laughs> so let me ask one more question. Yeah. So is this your first horse then? Yes, as an adult. I mean, as I grew up having horses. Okay. You have been fortunate. Well, and I mean, I, within the community before getting my horse, I was working at Marin Tack and Feed and I got to know RT and I got to know Jessica and I got to know a lot of different people within the community and I'm just a networker. So I talk to everybody and now with this podcast, I talk to even more. So I just know a lot of people's reputations and I know, you know, who's considered a good farrier, who has a good reputation, who has you know is great at being a farrier but not reliable and for me those two things need to both be there you know so yeah i like it but yes i've been fortunate where you know (laughs) you've only had a couple farriers yeah yeah but yeah cool well thank you for chatting with me absolutely thank you again and thanks for tuning in to stable connections the podcast this is your host shauna burke and if you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more don't forget to tune in every monday morning for a new episode follow us on instagram and on facebook and a reminder leave a review 
Facebook, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify all have options to do that. So see you next week. <laughs>